0: I bet you were expecting Ellie. Sorry, you'll hear from her in a second. My name's Rob Murphy. I'm Ellie's husband. Uh, But today, Ellie's launching her new book. It's called Do We Really Have To Do This? And I thought you might want to hear from Ellie herself uh, because she's on her own journey, writing her own next chapter from journalist to author. She's juggling being a TV reporter and presenter, a podcaster, a mum, wife, daughter and friend. Remember her book, Do We Really Have To Do This?, is out today. I'm lucky enough to have read it. It's very funny, very moving, and has wonderful characters. So here she is, Ellie Barker. Ellie. Rob. I'm taking over at last.
1: Yes. Yes,
0: and bring some sense to the podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I know that you're going to be doing the interviewing, and I know I'm going to hand over it to you, but yes. do you think, just for the benefit of our lovely listeners, or as you would say in your crime world, the benefit of the tape, yeah. we should just explain who you are
0: (laughs) okay right i'm your husband yes you are i'm a television journalist and a writer uh, and a podcaster and i usually deal with the heavier stuff
1: crime
0: crime stuff in particular uh, on the news spectrum but
1: your stories don't have the happy endings they don't have
0: happy endings no sometimes there's justice yes um but often there's not a lot of happiness in the middle. No. And,
1: and do you think we should, again, okay, I will actually let you, you speak, s- <laughs> but we, uh, I don't know what you're going to ask me. No. We haven't talked about it. No. Uh, this is only, I think, the third or fourth time in my entire life I've ever been interviewed. Yes. So that's kind of where we are.
0: Well, let's, let's see where we go, shall we? Let's so you, I wanted to ask you about this book, Yes, your fourth book. I've been yes. lucky enough to read it and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Good. Do we really have to do this? Yes, we do. It is the title of the book <laughs> and it's, it, and it's um, very typical Ellie Barker. Thank you. Um, wh- why think. did you write it?
1: Um, I wrote this book because I had a, a long time ago, I had an idea about Iris, who is the main character. And I just kept thinking about Iris and um, I just could see her in this little newspaper office, even though I've never worked in a newspaper office, you have, but I could just really imagine it. And I could just imagine her just wanting to write happy endings all the time. And I can understand that. Um, I am a journalist, as you know, as well. And as you know, uh, sometimes well, often the news is not good. I mean, we do do, I, I get to do a lot more of the stories where there are such lovely, happy uh, stories, and we don't really hear so much of those in the world, um, even though they're everywhere. And I felt with Iris that she had this sort of just frustration that she just wanted to see the best in, in life and she wanted to try and give people that, that positivity, but she was actually taken a bit too far um so and her lovely editor dennis was getting very frustrated with her because she was borderline really starting to breach her job really because our our job as journalists as you know is to tell the truth whether we like it or not and iris was starting to go into a different world so i just like the idea of her just being in this bit of a pickle really
0: so she's making up happy endings and there's a lovely bit at the end where the dog goes off to a dog hotel in the beginning where the dog, dog goes hotel. to the dog hotel it's not a dog hotel it's the
1: RSPCA it? yes. but so she doesn't she doesn't necessarily she's not so bad in, in that she makes it completely fiction but she just digs very hard to try and find the happiness so for example you know there was big um fire and you know, all the family heirlooms were lost. They were, uh, as Dennis, the editor, said, they were toast. But she's convinced that with a good polish, they might be able to be saved. So yes. she always just saw. She had some. She had hope, shall we say?
0: Good. Well, that's the character. That's one of the characters. There yes. are three big characters, aren't they? Yes. There? We're going to get onto the other two in a moment. But tell us what the premise. So you've got one character here who's very positive. Yeah. Almost too positive for reality, certainly perhaps for that job. Yeah. What's the premise of the story?
1: Well, the premise is, I mean, the reason why Iris is quite like this, she's basically she can't face the absolute truth. And the reason is there's something that's happened with her that she just can't let go of. Um, so she clings on to the positivity. She's holding on really tight. The other character, the second character, should we call him, is Jack, Jack Jones. And he's the exact opposite of Iris. And he can't hold on to anything. He, She can't let go, but he can't hold on. So he uh, is um, a troubled soul, really. And he has done that, what we all, you know, think we should do, or lots of us think we should do, is that he's gone out and he's earned loads and loads of money, and he's got absolutely everything money can buy, but he is extremely unhappy, and he's very low, and he's got a big hole in his soul.
0: More than that, he's voted Britain's grumpiest man.
1: Yes, he is. Yeah, so he went, so Jack Jones, he didn't particularly, he, you know, he listened to other people, which he didn't normally, doesn't normally do. And he went on a show, uh, Make a Deal, which is probably like, perhaps let's say, similar to something like Dragon's Den or something like that. So he suddenly had a bit of a profile. um, But he also has, um, his marriage is coming to an end or he's had very difficult marriage. And he was uh, pictured uh, in a difficult scene. So he's been he was uh you know he found himself in the public eye and even though we don't like the word public but he found found himself in the public eye and um he didn't like it so they think that it's in the daily tattle. i'll let you decide what that might be based on and um that he is described is this britain's most miserable millionaire because he looks so grumpy
0: and you've got another character so you've got this very positive person you've got this very grumpy person yes something brings them together but then there's um uh another character here who's peggy who she's brilliant i mean I I, I I like iris a lot i i really like jack as well a lot but peggy is she's kind of the star of the show in some ways yeah, isn't she
1: she is peggy's very special um Peggy is very special and um, basically uh, so Iris is sent they need to Jack wants to buy um, Strawberry House which is a, a former hotel as sort of derelict hotel in the middle of strawberry village um, and it's he's always for different reasons which will become known in the book he's always wanted to be able to buy it he buys hotels that's what he does and he creates hotels and this is the one place he's always wanted to have for different reasons but the committee who run it just don't want to sell it to him because he's such grump um, and so the one uh, publication they trust is the strawberry times where iris works Uh, so they want so iris is sent to do like a, a profile on him and spend some time with him but she unless she writes the truth dennis is gonna have to get rid of her because she keeps you know bending the truth so she needs jack to be happy but he's not because he's so miserable so she's in she's at risk of losing a job and he's at risk of not getting the hotel he wants so you've got that and they're really it's sort of like well what what are they going to do and how they're going to overcome this? But then one morning they're out running together and they meet Peggy. And I won't uh, go into too much about that encounter. Um, but but she's
0: I, got a problem. She needs, Pe- Peggy, she needs help.
1: Peggy is in a uh, Peggy. Well, Peggy actually, um, she's 79 uh, and Peggy thinks she's absolutely fine. And she's just really in control of uh, herself and her life, that's what she thinks at the time. So what the reader, what you sort of perhaps don't um, know at first is, you know, is Peggy there to save Iris and Jack, or are Iris and Jack there to save Peggy? And mm. you probably think at first it's Iris and Jack saving Peggy. Um, and as the book unfolds, um, hopefully, well, you'll perhaps come to your own conclusion, I mean, you've read it, you'll you, mm. probably know. But yeah, Peggy Peggy is a is a very special character, and she she sort of just, again, Peggy just appeared. And um, I can just really, I just, I think probably we all wish we knew a Peggy. I think I perhaps have done at some yeah. times in my life. Um, She's got a very
0: distinctive voice, hasn't she? has got a
1: very distinctive voice. And it's really about, pe- what Peggy does is she gives perspective, uh, which I think we all need. Um, and that's why it was so lovely to have somebody like her to to just see where she took us, really, Um, because she is older, she's coming to the end of her life. And when you have that sense of perspective, I think what seems so important to us um, becomes less so important. And hopefully that's what she is going to do with Jack and Iris.
0: And you've set this book not in Cherry Blossom Park, which is the scene... Of your first three books you've moved it elsewhere yes why, why did you do that
1: well um Cherry Blossom Park I love and will always go back to um they were my first three books they were the books I wrote and then I rewrote all of them I always thought I did want a traditional book deal and um before I sort of knew about the world of self-publishing an indie author and so I, they all became gradually set in Cherry Blossom Park. They, they weren't originally when I wrote them mm. and it's, as I sort of learned and how actually it's nice to have a create a world and a bit more of a series type of thing and it was actually, the truth of it is, is that an agent had, had expressed some interest in my work and I thought well maybe I should explore this but she said it would be very hard to do, a, you know, to stay in the Cherry Blossom Park world that was self-published so perhaps I should um would I think about writing it in a a new world so I, I did and that's Strawberry Village and I mean I, I as you know I run every day and I I that's when I think most probably about my um books and my stories and it was actually the route, my running route. So I run to Clifton Village. Now, some, you know, yes, yeah, Strawberry Village is loosely based on Clifton Village. Yeah, I don't, lovely.
0: It's a lovely setting, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I don't do it. I don't do the, I wouldn't call it Clifton Village because I wouldn't ever want to do a disservice to, to the history and the street names and the people who know it very well. But it is loosely based on, um, and there was a, there's a part where I, uh, where, a part of Clifton Village, and it's, there's a square, and for those who know Bristol it's where the ivy is on the corner and it's I the Mao. that's right, and I run around it every day and I could just see imagine that Jack's office was up was one of those buildings and it wouldn't you know there's this, I think there's a dentist there, so it it wouldn't be realistic, but I could just always imagine and that that square and maybe there were cafes around it and and on the other side was the Strawberry Times. And that he would see, uh, he saw Iris. He didn't realise that he would be working with her. But he, because she's very distinctive in her dress sense. So I just thought about that. And actually running past the bridge, uh, which is the suspension bridge, and where um, they meet Peggy, that's a very special part of Bristol for all mm. of us, really, who live here. And for me, and that that is a, there's, I've seen some difficult moments as I know other people have um, and people who are in a a bad way there I I once saw a girl actually stand on the railings and the police came and you know, she was absolutely fine but it's one of those places that brings beauty and joy but it also brings so much sadness and that's what made me think and that's why I thought it was really important that that's where Peggy should meet um, Iris and Jack where worlds come together, sad worlds but also very happy and joyous worlds as well.
0: And this book is very similar in some ways to your previous three in that it's very accessible, it's very humorous, but also it deals with big subjects. How how do you do that?
1: Um, Well, I think it's life, isn't it? Um, Unfortunately, and fortunately, because the big subjects are the ones that teach you how to grow... um, And, you know, we are grown-ups and we grow. And we have grown. And we're growing. And sometimes that is, quite frankly, just really annoying (laughs) and difficult. But um, I think we do, all of us, have struggles. Some people, some things that people know about, some, you know, behind closed doors, just in ourselves. And what I try to do with my books, I mean, as you know, I... um, Thought for a long time about becoming a therapist and i did i did wonder and i've always i've always loved psychology and my, my dad was very poorly and that more than anything sort of made me really look at mental health and i've you know i've spent I've, i'll spend the rest of my life trying to understand it really um, and i either thought well i could do that or maybe if i could use all what i learn and put it into my books into my fiction um, you know, we as journalists, we are very tied to the truth, as we were saying earlier. And it's very facts. And actually, the facts are great guideposts and signposts for us to tell a story. But what I also love about fiction is you can make it up as long as it's based on some form of reality. So that's why I say like with the Strawberry Village, it doesn't quite matter if it's not quite the ins and outs of Clifton Village. Um, And it gives you this freedom. So I within the characters and I try and give a lovely kind world because I actually think it's very easy to think that we live in a very miserable world. But I think actually if you look really hard, we do actually live in a very kind world. Um, And and I try to show that in my books. And I always like to have a nice setting as well. It was always my dream and aim and ambition for somebody to just read my books very easy. When you go on holiday and you see somebody reading a book and they can't put it down, as we are, you know, when we go in, you just can't put that book down. You might read it in a day. I always used to think, to be able to do that for someone, to just give them that kind of uh, enjoyment... I thought, wow, I would just have always wanted to do that. And so I always like to have a little bit of a holiday feel in the book, just to have that nice feeling and escapism and warmth. And um, I would normally take take the uh, reader off to the Caribbean just because it's, A, it's one, I've been lucky enough to go there. It's one of my favourite places in the world. But I also think it's a very healing place Mm. and uh, that gives that as well.
0: Oh, I was going to come on to that in a moment, actually, but we're talking about the themes. What are your main takeaways from the book, that people would get.
1: Um, well, I suppose without uh, sounding too doom and gloom, I mean, it, it's essentially it's, it is a book about grief, but also I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of a lady called Julia Samuels, who is a grief therapist, and she has a great podcast herself called Therapy Works, and I listen to that a lot, and she talks a lot about living loss, and it's something that I think that we don't recognize always and I think it's something often a lot of us struggle with but you can have living losses as in something that you hoped something was it isn't somebody might be in your life or not in your life anymore but they're still alive but they're just not part of you know the the friendship or the relationship isn't quite what you wanted it to be and I wanted to look at that with all of them and they all they all experience that but but also with that and again without it being the doom and gloom when you look at loss and when you're coping with loss the the, the love that can come in if you're let it if you're brave enough to let it because i think when you've experienced loss it's very hard to to let it in love in again i think mm. i really do believe that um and i'm hoping there's a theme there in the book of well peggy sort of explains it um hopefully she explains it clearer than i am now actually but um again in the sense of perspective and moments and actually if you bring things down to very small moments they're magical and they're lovely and they're around us every day every single day if we choose to see them so it's I would like to think that comes through as a big theme and actually we all do have a choice over our life most of it and not everyone but most of us do and it's where we choose to put our 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 attention and hope really
0: and you mentioned earlier about the caribbean and yes. this is not the first time you've been to the caribbean is yes. it you've been there before with a pink coffee coffee shop <laughs> yeah. um why is that sense of escapism important do you think
1: well like i was saying earlier i just love that um i love that I would love... If someone ever said to me, you know, A, my books helped them, but also it gave them that sense of escapism, I would say, wow, that is exactly... You know, that's my job yeah. done. That's exactly what I wanted. And I just... I think, it, especially sometimes if you're reading on a dreary... I mean, we're recording this today, and it's cold it's and... horrible out, it? And horrible out. And we're all, it's nice and cosy inside. But I think it's just a lovely escapism to go to some blue skies and to some warmth. And as I say, the... Um,
0: lemon cove
1: lemon so this time we're in a place called lemon cove and again it's fictitious but hopefully i mean i would like to go to lemon cove and it's quite i just think it's i think it's lovely to think that there are places like this that do exist be it in the caribbean or be it in clifton village or wherever it is or be it you know by the suspension bridge that these places that you can go to and they just sort of wrap you up and give you exactly what you need there's Two characters out there, Claudia and Bernadette, and they—they're just—they're lovely. They're just—they're lovely women who truly want to heal and care for people. And I think there are people like that
0: in the world. So it's a book where there's a place where people will love to go. When I you're hope reading so. It. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, it has been um, a tough year for you, hasn't it? Yes, um, it has. Just, um, and on top of writing the book, you—you've got a, a difficult job. Very challenging job. Oh,
1: well, good job. I It's love a my great job.
0: job, but it's a you know, it's not something you just walk into and do. You've got no. to think about being a TV journalist or a TV presenter, you've got to be on your game to do that job. You do, yeah, you've got two little boys, yes, and a husband and a husband who needs lots of looking after. Oh, my yeah, goodness, he's never stopped. Yeah, very and, demanding.
1: And a, do- and a dog, and the
0: dog who's asleep,
1: she's snoring in the background. Yeah,
0: um. But it has been quite tricky. Just, just tell us about the backdrop to the writing of the,
1: the um, book because
0: it's been a, a bigger gap, of a release than you would have liked. Hasn't yes, it?
1: yes, it has. Um. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say it's just. I mean, we all have these periods of time in our lives, and I, I would say you know, we, my family, my Barker family has had a you know, really difficult time for a long time. So my dad, as I mentioned earlier, was poorly and was unwell for 12 years, mm. which is a long time. And then and then he, he died, sadly, so we've been grieving. And then other sort of things have gone on. And then, but to sort of top it all off, if you if say it like that, just as I was about to start writing this book, we were going on, as you remember, we'd finished... I published The Secrets of the Coffee Club we were going on holiday and I was going to plan while I was on holiday to think about and I was going to start writing this book when I came back and just a couple of days before we went on holiday um, my mum's house burnt down I mean it, it, yeah and and she was okay she was okay thank goodness she's 80 at the time she was 80 she's now 81 and sort of just life just oh goodness yeah. me and when you have some but when you have something like that and especially on top of and I'm not doing this as a woe is me it's not us but I just think it's it just been a very long time i think the easiest thing i could have done was to not write the book mm. and i think then i'd have been really angry and resentful really because the writing is something that has always helped me uh, more than I actually realise it does. It was when I don't do it, I realise how much it does help me. So we had all the, obviously, just the practicality of my mum coming to Bristol and obviously uh, seeing her and what she's been going through to lose everything. The impact on all of us, the day-to-day, then the rebuild of the house and the, the insurance and... Yeah, you've dealt with
0: m- pretty much all of it. We've, done
1: it? You know, we've done it together. Um, and the impact on the boys, you know, them seeing their nan a very traumatized and they loved going to her house Mm. and that was another part of their life just suddenly all went just suddenly went so I suppose I don't I hadn't really meant for this book to be so much about loss but I think because I was going through it and actually the the practicalities of everything was I I didn't really have any time to write the book so what I did was um and you were part of it we we're all part of it i would i wrote it first thing in the morning so i get up at um after our son when he goes off to secondary school and he has to leave early and he gets up at half past six so i would set my alarm for ten past six give myself 20 minutes of doing my journaling which i like to do and then as soon as his alarm would go off he give him a little cuddle and he go and he comes downstairs in his teenage ways and for 40 to 45 minutes I would write the book, and mm. I did that every day. And you would leave coffee, uh, which is lovely, and go. And but that's what I did. And, it was, and how many
0: words can you write in forty-five minutes?
1: I aim to a thousand words. Mm. So, uh, but my, but I had. I worked with a great book editor. And I, I worked with him a lot at the beginning and we had a—I'd done a whole proper ch- chapter plan. Hmm. So every chapter I knew where I was going, which, which helped. And obviously you do change, but I had a very clear, when I actually sat down for those 45 minutes, uh, I just, I had to write because it really was the only time I could guarantee. And it would end as Arthur came up the stairs shouting, where's my trousers? As he
0: does every single day. <laughs>
1: yes, he does um so I suppose the easiest thing I could do then was to uh write about how I was feeling really at the time and that helped but but actually and again it goes back to what I was saying earlier you yes you can when you have something I suppose it was just the year maybe um just on top of everything just really made me personally look at my whole life Mm. um and and I think it's when you, when you experience, again, loss and trauma and, and all sorts of other things, again, it's not a sort of toxic positivity because, you know, you know, I work with a therapist and work very closely with her and face sort of all the awful feelings. But actually, if you do that, um, what you do then find is then you start to see, well, what do I have? And obviously with you and the boys and Cookie, you know, I couldn't ask for more, but also people in my life, friends, uh, colleagues, uh, people who perhaps sometimes even you wouldn't expect or would expect or whatever, but you realize how much love is there, even if it's not where you expected it to be. And that actually, I think, is is just amazing. And unfortunately, sometimes it's these awful times that teaches you to see that, but I kind of felt like I did hit a bit of a rock bottom. But when I did hit the rock bottom, I was able to then see and that, and all the way through I was writing this book. Mm. So it kind of acted a bit like a guide to me as well. Um, And sort of, yeah, just gave me some, uh, reality not reality that's the wrong word but it, it just gave me some direction and also I think what's lovely about fiction is it when you feel like the world your actual world is completely out of control fiction you can I can actually control yeah, it you have
0: complete control yeah
1: and that is a that's a lovely feeling when you're feeling so
0: so the book in a way not good. wasn't necessarily a type of therapy but was a type of guide uh structure yeah Uh, was it easy to write or was it actually a bit of a drag to write?
1: No, it wasn't a drag at all. And I don't think I could have written it uh, at that time. I never would have said, I mean, I used to do early shifts at work and read the uh, breakfast news. But I've never really considered myself as somebody who's particularly good in the mornings. But it's odd that, you know, I've worked in breakfast telly and I'd worked at GMTV in the past. But I think if I had found it a drag, I just don't, especially because in myself I was feeling so low, I don't think I could have written it if it was a drag but actually it was a a tonic it was a tonic to my soul Mm. and um but all the characters the world strawberry village and actually peggy but jack as well and iris i just used to look forward to just being with them and although i had a very much a plan i thought where it was going to go it didn't wasn't completely like that and i just it's sometimes It sounds so silly, but sometimes it's as if they sort of speak to you, and maybe it's some advice you've had in the past, or maybe it's people you've met. But it's like it, it just comes out of nowhere. And actually, I think, well, yeah, well, if that's what Peggy's saying, well, it would help me then take me through the day, uh, which was which was lovely. It was quite magical, really.
0: Well, you say just then um, about advice from people, you know, or people you've met, but you of course have. This podcast. Yes, I do. In which you have access to the most incredible people. Yes, I do. And so, what lessons did you learn from this podcast that informed your writing?
1: Um, I think the biggest one, which pretty much all of my next chapter guests say, is to just keep keep on keep going. Um, And you know, I've interviewed some amazing people, and uh, in all different in all different areas. I mean, in all different areas. Uh, one of the authors that really springs to mind is a lady I interviewed called angela marsons yeah, um, who's brilliant. just brilliant as you know you think she is as well and she wrote for i think was it twenty five years virtually without really having any recognition for her her books. She had a really supportive wife she has a really supportive wife and now angela you know she 's one of the biggest selling authors in in the world you know and she is and I interviewed her, and she was so kind, and afterwards, and she said, you know, any doubt, you know, just, you know, I know I could get in touch with her if I wanted to, but just her words, just, just keep going. Mm-hmm. Because if you, and I think that's the same with pretty much everything, really. If you don't, you won't. But yeah. if you do, you might. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's a lovely way to live. Because I think, as I say, there's so much we can't control, but with all the next chapter guests that nobody has it easy you know if you're going to do something that you really love and it's very hard to do that you know there's always a beginning you're always a novice you always don't know anything um and i still feel very much like that now but also i think how exciting because we can learn so much
0: we um, are experienced now. You've written four books. This yeah. is your fourth book. You're not you're not a novice anymore, are you? And no. this book must be easier to write than the first one.
1: Yes, yes. I think what I mean by that is more. I still feel very much a novice when it comes to book marketing and mm. uh, adverts and the business side of of uh, writing. Which, as you know, even somebody who's written with a traditional publisher. If you're an author, you do have to do that and, do and all of it, yeah. you do um, and even the most successful authors do it mm. and so it's understanding that that's where I feel and yes I yeah and I, I actually I suppose writing this book I did realize i, I but I, I think writing a book is never easy um, and I hope it never does become easy mm. because I just hope that I can always improve um, And I love that. I I hope I'll always do that. Um, And and that's the understanding of all the next chapter interviews I've done, is everyone struggles.
0: Yeah. If it was easy, everyone would have written a book, wouldn't they? And lots of people haven't. And lots of people could say, I could write a book. But you've actually done four, which is a a colossal achievement, particularly with burning down houses and and demanding jobs and dogs that are snoring and and, and jumping up on your lap at 12 o'clock and... uh, what you're trying to do with the, the book is tough because I think it has to work on two levels, doesn't it? It's got to um, mean something. There's got to be something there. There's got to be uh, some gumption mm. about it uh, for it to have some authority. But equally, you don't want to lecture, do you? You don't no. want to uh, be even necessarily dark, really, with how you come across all the time. It's got to be entertaining. It's got to be escapism. It's got to be uplifting. Mm. It's got to be that blend, which is a really tough blend. How closely do you think you've come to achieving that?
1: Well, I think I'm probably not the right person to answer that question because I think it's just, it, for me, it's the reader. You know, uh, it's how the reader comes away and feels after, after it. I hope you know, if I could do a tiny, minuscule part of everything you just said there, I'd be very happy. Well, I think it's um, done all of it. Well, thank you. Um, not that you're biased, Robert Murphy, but but um, uh, but I have had some early beta readers, as we call them, um, who've been brilliant. And actually, I I hadn't. I have an idea what I had an idea of what I want to do next, and I mm. thought I'd go back to Cherry Blossom Park, but actually, I'm going to stay in Strawberry Village because the people who have read it really want to know... I've asked them and they would like to know more about Strawberry Village and that's actually really excited me because I think, actually, I want to know more about Strawberry Village and the people there and so I will keep going and that's, again, that's exciting. I I just hope, I would love it if whoever, if some, you know, I feel very lucky and honoured if if anyone does pick my book to read. I really hope that they would come away feeling uh, warm, loved, but also, um, not alone, but also with some hope. That's what I would really love anyone who reads the book to feel.
0: One of the things I think you're really great at in your writing is your um, side characters. Not necessarily the, well, as well as the, the main characters. But you've always got this little chorus of people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> saying funny things or doing funny comments or what have you and you have it in the uh, for example in the pink coffee shop you've got the security guard and yes. all of the Colin. the Colin and and all of the um the tv crew and yeah. all the rest of it for example but here you've got the strawberry uh committee. village committee
1: the house the strawberry
0: house committee uh, strawberry house
1: committee Jeffrey that's it, and, that's Marilyn it. And, and
0: they're hilarious aren't they they're, yeah. they're great fun you know this book has to be fun doesn't it yes. you know you people need to enjoy reading the book, they yes. need to enjoy it, which I thoroughly did and I hope other people did. How important is that sort of little sense of that bubble of excitement, that bubble oh. of warmth, that bubble of hu- you know humour, yeah.
1: really? Well, I mean, I think it's everything and I, um, I personally, I mean, obviously, you read very different books to what I read. But I read everything. But yes, you do. I do. And I read do. all types of books, very, including like women's
0: fiction. Yeah, you
1: do. It's I do. It's very good. It, it's very good. But... Um, I you know as you know one of my very favorite authors of all time actually now is Richard Osmond and I, my goodness I'm not suggesting my books like Richard Osman. I'm really not but what he does and that that world of the Thursday Murder Club and the characters and their funny and the clinking of the gin bottles in the in the retirement village and things like that and I still you know we've said it before Joyce um that's obviously one of the characters and how she talks once said about oh she had some sherry and it was Tesco finest and that, for me things like that that I just love that I mean we've uh, we've got similar tastes and other things and that in the part you know my some of my favorite television programs are for example Only Fools and Horses uh, which I know everyone loves that, and it's just that that world. Um, we love modern family, I love uh, you know, and it's the worlds where you really want them to exist, but you know what? You put pro- probably in reality, like in modern family, you never see any of them have any friends, <laughs> and they all, so I get that. Um, but it's just nice to feel that there are these worlds, and that's what I like to do. And also, I think it's important. So uh, one of the other side characters is Iris's dad, Bruce.
0: Yeah. And
1: I think, they're, I think they're really important because, you know, Iris is really suffering. And it's also about the effect that has on everyone around you. And I think it's one thing if you're suffering, but it's, you've always got to be mindful of the people around you. And Bruce, you know, he's suffering in his own way, as it will come clear in, in the book. But really the biggest... Pain he is experiencing at the moment is seeing his daughter so unlike herself. And, and I think you just need these other characters um, to provide humour but also to give some kind of a perspective as well.
0: Okay, well, you've described the book as a tonic to your, for your soul. For
1: my soul, yeah. For yes. your
0: soul, and it was a tonic for my soul, and I'm good. sure it's a tonic for everyone's soul. So if people want a little tonic, I suggest they buy the book immediately. And I think I'm a big fan of the four, 35 to 40 minute podcast. Yes. And I think we hit, hit that mark now. So well done.
1: Well, thank you. Were for, you grilled? It wasn't, uh, wasn't nearly a, as terrifying as a. As down I to a brilliant interview. I mean, it. thank you very much.
0: Yeah, thank you. Well done. You, Good you're luck.
1: You're welcome back again. Thank Look, you. Book number five.
0: Book <laughs> number five. I'll be back grilling you like I grilled you this time. There <laughs> you go. Vicious.
1: So there you are. Well, that was a little bit unusual sitting in the other seat and I've got even more admiration now for all my guests and being interviewed who they speak so beautifully. Um, But I hope that that helped you or just helped you to understand what I was trying to do with this book. Do we really have to do this? I loved writing it. I really hope you'll enjoy reading it. And thank you very much, Rob, for being a very kind interviewer. And thank you also to Empire Fighting Chance. I'm bringing this podcast Podcast to you in partnership with them. They are fighting to transform young lives, and I'm so proud that they are also supporting the work that we're doing here with this podcast and the books that I'm writing as well. So, I'll be back next week. I will very much be holding the microphone. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. And with all your next chapters, I hope that you are doing well. And if you're struggling in any way, just get in touch with me because I promise you, I am in it with you. I know you can do it. And everyone I have on this podcast and Peggy, Jack and Iris, I know they think you can too. Speak soon.